You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. Welcome to another very special episode of Once Upon a Turnbuckle, and we are delving once more behind the carnage with probably one of the the hot hottest properties, I would say, if um, if you sort of see what's been posted around uh, by Carnage since they started. But one of the one of the the rising stars of pro wrestling, Carnage. Thank you for in accepting the invite that I extended in in my interview with Jimmy Taylor as well. I welcome the brilliant James Ellis. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for the uh, the stunning introduction. Uh, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm the hottest property there. I just always say yes whenever they ask. Uh, can I do a promo promo? There you go, there you go. And I, I got to say, I do love. I have been loving. We'll get more into this as we go down, but I have been loving um, the the use of the promo. I think it is it is it can be a lost art these days, and you know, social media. It's one of the things we've got to thank for it. I think. The fact that you can build these matches up in between from afar just by posting those out on your own page and whatever. And uh, you, I, you... I completely agree to it. No, if you want to get into it later on, we can. But mm. um, I, I do generally think it's a lost art. I'm still not very good at it, but um, I'll always have a go. And considering, yeah. um, I'll just give you a brief now. Uh, when I first started, I was asked to do a promo called whenever I, when I first started wrestling, when I yeah. started matches. I was asked to do a promo and I blankly said no. I was like, no chance. I'm okay. not doing a promo. So things have changed now. Should you put it that way? They have. And uh, we, yeah, we, we, we'll discuss more. But I am I am loving, you know, the, the way you're kind of building towards um, the end of the month and beyond. So anyway, the, the perfect place to kick these things off like I normally um, do. Let, let's sort of paint the picture of your relationship with wrestling, first of all go way way back to the beginning when was it that you first remember discovering wrestling for yourself um these um i'll say in advance because i have listened to jimmy taylor's um uh jimmy taylor's podcast with yourself mm -hmm. and uh, there's actually a lot of similarities wor worryingly enough um <laughs> between our starts but i think what was unique to mine was i actually had uh wrestlers first i didn't know about wrestling i was given a box of wrestlers from a my mother's friend's son who didn't want mm. them anymore right. and they're all classics i had a little stage entrance and everything like proper attitude era stuff awesome. um stone cold the rock kane um i think i had the undertaker i'm i'm a bit slight on anyone else i can remember um but that's where <laughs> it started um the first wrestling i can remember watching um i was at a party when i was say probably about seven maybe eight years old 
and it's like a parents' party, and you, you know, as a kid, you went and it got to like eleven o'clock, and you're not used to being up that late most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And I just walked into the living room, and people were watching wrestling. Um, it was the first time I'd seen it. I was like, "Well, I've got these wrestlers." Um, but I remember the first match. I, th- I believe it was Kenzo Suzuki and Rene Dupree versus Rob Van Dam and Rey Mysterio on a random SmackDown. Okay. In two thousand four. Yes, a, that sounds about right. Not a bad. But that was that was. Past the point, I, I I wasn't watching it weekly at that point. I was keeping up with it, but um, not a bad reflection, I think, of the talent they had back then in in that era. Um, especially RVD and Rey Mysterio can't go wrong there for a first flavor of it, can you? Yeah. Well, funny enough, Rey Dupree plays a part later on down the line um, in my uh, my yeah in my journey. my story, should we say? Okay, cool, cool. We'll definitely we'll definitely circle back to that one. Um, so. Was there a particular, you know, early on, was there someone in particular that, that drew you into it or a particular match or anything that, that sort of hooked you in then you realised that you, you, you couldn't sort of let this go? Um, not when I was younger. I, I, I did the whole, the, whole, the whole trampoline wrestling thing. You know, me and my friends at a trampoline wrestling federation, everything. We were proper into it from about the age of... A, I'd say 10 onwards mm. uh, until about 13, 14. You used to, I used to probably be into it. But funny enough, I actually preferred TNA to WWE when okay. I was getting older. I was about, yeah, about 10. I was watching, because you could watch it for free. We didn't have Sky Sports mm. wherever. Um, we didn't have Sky Sports in my house. So whenever I go to my nan's, this sounds like a proper old school wrestling story. <laughs> whenever I go to my nan's, um, I was obviously allowed to stay up till whatever time. And TNA was always on, I think it was Bravo. In the UK Probably challenge, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, that, that sort yeah. of that, that it was there. I, I was spiked or whatever, yeah, it was free, so I used to stay up. I'd watch because it was the pay per views would be free on there as well, so I'd watch Impact and I'd watch the pay per views. But this is when Kurt Angle was there, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christian for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I preferred TNA to WWE at that point, okay. and you know, as you do, I get you get older. Uh, I did fall out of love with it, um. But one thing that did bring me back in was CM Punk. So I know that's what I mean by the similarity. Yeah. I remember yeah. my, my arch enemy saying um, that uh, that, he, that was what bring him back. And it did for me as well. I started watching YouTube from that point then. I, I tell you what, I we're probably talking, are we on about like the pipe bomb sort of yeah. incident? Yeah, Summer of Punk. That's it. So that was like 2011, 2012, I think. So we're probably about 10 years at least, if not more, past when I stopped watching it regularly. And it was a guy right. I worked with told me, came in the next day and he'd seen the pipe bomb uh, incident on Raw the night before. And he was like, you have got to watch this. And I'll tell you what, that was probably, um, I've kind of, you know, dipped in and out of it since then. But CM Punk is probably the one reason why I've gone back to YouTube, you know, yeah. to watch his promos. Not necessarily his in-ring stuff. I mean, it's brilliant, but it's his, it's his promos. I, I don't think you can get much better than him from his point on. It, uh, everything he said felt real no matter if it was story or not it didn't feel like it was written for him it felt like they said you go out there and speak say yeah. whatever you want um yeah. and in some cases i think it was a work shoot so it was definitely him going out and giving his real feelings yeah um but at the same time by doing that it got people interested in the product again mm-hmm. like you know and i was in and out then until about um i'd say probably 2015 mm-hmm. i was just youtube and stuff i never and it never took time to watch watch Raw. I still don't, to be fair. I never. No. I don't think I've ever watched. I don't think I watched a full episode of Raw or SmackDown since I was about 
14, 15. Um, I used to watch SmackDown on Friday, so we did have Sky Sports then. Um, I never watched Raw because it was always during school um, or after school. Oh, and I yeah. usually did stuff after school, whereas Fridays, you know, all I was looking forward to was football on the Saturday. So I used to stay up and watch SmackDown. But I, I actually actively started watching it properly. Or going back, should we say, um, I did well in a uni um, uni course. Oh, I, I had a good result in one of my assignments. And I went, do you know what? I'm going to, the network was out at the time. And obviously living in living in halls, I, I didn't have, we didn't have, you know, regular TV. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to reward myself with the network. And that's really what started it properly again. So I could okay. watch stuff. Like, you know, the DVDs I used to, and I, my, 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 it's a weird one, but one of my favorite pay-per-views because I, it's reminiscent with me first watching wrestling properly uh, is Backlash 2003. Um, okay. And that, that is, that's, that's, I'd still go back and watch it today now. I did it, I did it, I think I did it a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Um, and I just like watching back all the old stuff. Uh, I prefer the old stuff to today, but it was just nice having access to it. And that's what really yeah. got the ball rolling with like a real enjoyment of, I'm not just doing this because I want to now watch it because I, because I want to, I would like to actually try it as well. Okay, cool. So that was, that was a bit of a sort of turning point in terms of, you know, we, we've all grown, I've said it a few times lately, we've all grown up as fans wanting to do it. Um, few of us believe in we could do it, I suppose. And um, mm. yeah, at that, at that point, sort of what was the next step then taking it seriously in terms of going from a fan to getting in the ring yourself? Um, it's hard. I don't know when the actual like light bulb moment happened, but I said I definitely wanted to try it. Um, but my view was always I wanted to finish university first, so I knew I wasn't going to do anything until I was after twenty at least yeah. or twenty one. Um, and I went to watch a show in my local area in Batol, but I'm going to say the July of when I finished uni, so I graduated that month as well. I went to watch um, a local show in Batorbet, and I'll be honest with you, I absolutely hated it. Oh, right, okay. I did, I did despise it. It wasn't for me at all. Okay. Um, and uh, this is what I mean by Rene Dupree. I had yeah. to look around with, uh, with different um, different companies and training schools in Wales, because I, I, I started seeing more things popping up around Welsh wrestlers and Welsh wrestling. Mm. First school I contacted was Welsh wrestling, um, and they were closing their school down two weeks after I, I'd oh, emailed. Right. That was a no-go. I actually emailed Flash Morgan Webster as well on his booking email because he was someone who just popped up my Twitter and I ended up following him. Okay. And to be fair to him, he gave me a... He, I said, look, I'm sorry, it's your booking email. Um, I just want to find out about training in Wales. And he gave me a full list and um, uh, of things that Dragon Pro did and literally down to prices and like what you needed to do, etc. Okay. And I was like, great, okay. It was a little bit expensive for me at the time. And then I saw that there was somebody in Batalbot that where I'm from that was actually had a training school. Um, my only bit of advice to any upcoming wrestler or someone wants to try it is don't go for the cheapest option because sometimes you won't get the best training. You get what you pay not, for. Not that it didn't give me the fundamentals, I'm not because it gave me if it wasn't for that promotion and that training school I wouldn't have had um an opportunity to get in the ring probably way too early mm. very much learning on the fly in the ring um mm. but they, they gave me a chance when probably if I train other places yes I'd overall be a lot better at everything right 
but I wouldn't have had the chance to work with more experienced people and get, you know, trial by fire sort of thing. Um, and, just kind of left like there now. Got, but your foot, got your foot in the door almost and sort of led it, to it. It did, it did. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people who have wrestled or, are, or saw me at those shows probably thought I was absolutely awful. Um, and I've seen me since and hopefully think, oh, he's improved a little bit now. Um, <laughs> so I'm quite, quite humble when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so I started training there. But the reason why is I went to watch their show. I didn't like it. Mm. And about five months later, they had Rene Dupree on okay. the show, uh, you know, in my local area. And I was oh. like, I've got to watch this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to go and see it. See Rene Dupree, obviously, I'd seen on, on SmackDown in my local area. Yeah. So, yeah, after that, I decided I'd probably give it a go over here and see what it was like. And if I didn't like it, then I moved. Um, but a lot, you know, things happened. I was in the ring with him five months, so I kind of felt committed to stay. Mm, sure. And, um, you know, before COVID hit, I was probably just every month ticking over. Right. Um, okay. it, it wasn't like I wasn't improving very much. I was always focusing on because it was monthly shows. It was always like, yeah. right, who am I facing this month? What can I improve on before then? Um, it probably wasn't sustainable. I wasn't going to get any better. Um, so I take COVID as a bit of a blessing because it gave me a chance to actually refocus on what I wanted um, okay. from wrestling. Yeah, that's cool. So COVID obviously ruined a lot of people's momentum, as it were, yeah. especially you know if you just got started. So how how? Did you keep your? How did you keep yourself focused? Obviously, you said about sort of you know refocusing your mind and sort of you know what you can improve on and what you want to get out of it. And that physically, what were you able to do to keep yourself ready to go back in the ring when the doors? Well, funnily enough, um, the lockdown didn't do me any favors. The first one, <laughs> I I put on about two stone. Um, I didn't look like a wrestler before, anyways. I looked mm. very like I very basic gear. Um, I wasn't really in shape. I've always gymmed, like, mm. as in, well, from the age of, like, 16 onwards, I've always, like, in and out of the gym, but I really started to focus on it from about 22. Mm. Um, I don't think, I just, I just obviously got down. I was like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'll just chill all. out. I drank, I drank <laughs> a lot of beer um, in the house. I enjoyed the, the summer, the summer we had in April. Yeah. Um, I had a comeback match um, for that promotion. It was just filmed in front of, like, just for YouTube. Um, I looked at myself and I was like, Oh, you need to get in some shape, but you're like, I, I looked, I looked, I look ridiculous. Um, right. you know, it just could be being shorter than probably the average wrestler. Mm-hmm. I it really stood out. Um, and this is a period of time when I realized that I like even without training, I could still I could still do a basic match, but I wasn't gonna get any better. So I decided to leave there um mm-hmm. with the intention of I wanted to go and train in different places and get different principles and different methods yeah. and overall improve because I just felt like I was I was just spinning wheels already, and I didn't want to do that. I, it's because wrestling is something as such interests me. I want to get better at it. It's the yeah. same with when I was in school. If I if I was interested in the subject, I wanted to get better at it. Yeah. Um. So I've been doing a lot of different seminars and, and a few training schools since then around the Wales area. Okay. Um. And overall, I do feel like I'm nowhere near as good as I want to be, but I I feel a lot lot more confident and a lot better. Um, at doing the basics and match prep, etc. Sure. Um, uh, just I've just been enjoying it the last you know six months really since lockdown has been eased. And then um, so then come out like, of it and you know yeah. It, I kind of uh, the real reason I I needed a change was my diet wasn't very good at all. Um, so 
the main thing I changed was diet, and it just kind of stripped away the the, the, the flub, should we say, yeah, that was yeah. there. And I was actually seeing the muscle for the first time properly. Um, it wasn't just my arms a little bit bigger. I was seeing a lot more yeah. definition um, from there. And I also kept up with it even in the second lockdown we had in Wales. Um, I didn't I didn't fall off the wagon. I did something every day, whether it was just press-ups and sit-ups, it didn't matter. Um, so, yeah, and from that, my core fitness has got a lot better as well. Um, I've always been like, you know, I, I heard I heard Jimmy Jimmy say it. Um, you know, I, to be in a wrestling, you can't come there and expect to get fit. You've got to be fit in your own time. Yeah. Um, and I've always played football and rugby and sport in general, so I've always had like a natural base fitness. But it's actually accessing wrestling is a completely different fitness again. Mm. You know, because you're running around, yeah. Um, but you've actually got to. It's more like taking a bump. You know, mm. doing it. Like, thinking even even thinking when you're tired is hard um so yeah. you're not fit um like learning to breathe better and stuff it's it's a completely different kind of fitness this is one of the misconceptions with wrestling and you get it even now i mean i i would say if you look across the 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 the, the mainstream product i suppose the guys they're a lot fitter than they they were you know back in the day when i grew up with it you had to your super heavyweights you still have them from you know here and there but not quite in the volume that you did and i think because you see people that were like 500 pound um people would think you know wrestling doesn't really require much fitness or, or anything like that but even for them to perform some moves i mean how difficult would it have been at their size to be able to like I say take a bump you know, actually just you know go down to the Oh, absolutely the, uh, the ground and get back up again you know no yeah. oh, I, I completely agree um uh, you know one thing i always i've always say with training is is you see if you can't do the warm-up then mm. there's some questions you need to ask like that's that's my view you know you, mm. ne- you need to be looking at yourself outside of it mm. that's, that, that's just my view it may not be the same as someone else's um mm. and i do think nowadays yeah you it's on the independent scene you do you do see a lot of bigger boys mm. um who can go it doesn't yeah. matter because they, they know that they know the limits they know what they can do what they can't do yeah. um and you work a match around that i think um yeah and uh, i haven't wrestled many many big big like super heavyweights uh, mm-hmm. as of yet but i'm sure that will it'll be a, it'll be a completely completely different experience when i do um yeah. so yeah. It, it, yeah wrestling it's a weird fitness it is a really weird fitness mm-hmm. nothing i've ever experienced before no, no, and I think again, even me growing up when I saw these yeah, massive guys, that's what made me think, well, I can do this, you know, if they're that side and they can do it. But obviously they're a lot more capable at moving around. Mm. I think Yokozuna is always one that fascinated me and Bam Bam Bigelow, you know, these guys, they could move and they could um they could they could carry things off that guys half their size struggled with. No, he's a, he, Yokozuna is a once in a generation wrestler. Mm. Uh, that guy is that guy's an athlete. No matter what size he was at, he could still move in the ring. Yeah. And uh, we just watched all his matches. Some of the stuff he's doing, he shouldn't be doing. Like, no. That's that's how good he was. Yeah, and here and he was one of the safest guys. I think I keep going back to Bret Hart saying that he felt very, very safe in the ring with him. Mm. And you'd kind of think if I had a 600-pound guy coming at me, I wouldn't feel safe <laughs> necessarily. But, you know, he knew what he was doing. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's sort of move it on a little bit more than um, pro wrestling carnage. Obviously, you know, part of the series I've been doing, I need to ask, when did your involvement um, occur first with Pro Wrestling Carnage? Uh, how, when, why, what happened? Um, it, it all began at one of the shows down in Potomac, actually. I got asked by Danny Owens 
would I be interested um, in in working for him at the time? And he was a he was a mainstay there. And he's I want to go out my own and do my own thing. Um, would you be interested in working? I was like, absolutely. You know, at the time I was just looking to try and branch out. I didn't know if I could. So probably playing a part into me leaving there, the training school and the promotion was because I wanted to branch out and work with different people because yeah. you knew if you're working in different places, you get to face new talent, more experienced people who would then make you better. Mm. And I and I wanted to try that and work different places as well. So I was all for it. Um, I didn't realise he was going to re- uh, announce me first. Um, <laughs> that's, I'm not gonna that's lie. got to be quite cool, you know. It, yeah. it was very cool. It was. I wish I had better promo pictures back then and looked a lot different. <laughs> but um, it, it, it was. It was pretty cool. And it got a bit of a buzz going. A lot of my friends um, who don't like wrestling or never really interested in it um, decided to take a little bit of interest in what I was doing, um, which helped their product as well because they had a bit of a not following as such, but they had a lot more probably people who wouldn't have been liking their their, their yeah. social media now work. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and then it's just gone from that strength to strength. You know, um, I'm I'm one of those. I decided that when I left there, I want and came here. Not only did I want to work for different people, but I was going to put my all into helping develop this product because they put me through first as the sure. you know as, as the first sign in. Yeah. You know, anything anything asked of me, whether it came to promos, number one, I wanted to get better at them, mm. but promos, for example, or promoting stuff helping out is anything they needed um i was all for it um because i did feel this sort of thing on my back that i was like well he's put faith in me i need to repay that faith now yeah um so you know it, it's it, it's nice to have for a home promotion and also it's nice to know that if someone else asked me to go and work somewhere i wouldn't have to go through jump through a lot of hoops sure. to, to do it yeah. um you know there's no there's no but you can't you, i've never been told you can't do this do you know what i mean yeah yeah um and if I say to myself, I think we had an excellent first show. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, the the, the buzz, uh, I was going to ask, what was the, what's the buzz around you guys involved in Carnage at the moment? Yes, you've only had one show. The second one's coming up. I mean, already it feels like, I, you know, I've been following following it since um, since really Cayman first mentioned it. Yeah. Um, and I haven't, obviously wasn't there to see it live or whatever, but even I've got that excitement. It, it kind of feels like a promotion that is is further down the line than just their first or second show. You know, what's it feeling like for for you that are involved in it at the minute? Um, excited. Um, it's the only word I can use. Uh, brilliant as well. You know, pun intended. Um, the 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 fact that in my mind, um, what they did was they they took they took the good aspects of different promotions they'd seen or worked for mm. and eliminated the bad aspects. And actually it did come off like the first show is sold out. Um, the build was hard because you, you, you start um, or you announce a promotion a year before your actual first show yeah. because of COVID and everything. Um, it was, it was, it was a long build and was it going to actually come off? And mm. it did in my mind, it did that the first show delivered on what it said it was going to do. Uh, it was, there was something for everyone. I think you know you had very character-based matches. You had um, you had a wrestling match. You had someone from who used to work for the WWE on the show. You had a comedy match. Um, you probably had a little bit of a mix. Um, um, you had a rumble, yeah. and, and you had you had a good feel at the end of it as well. Um, for everyone would come, and yeah. uh, I, I I think it was it, it led well into the second show, mm. and you know that sold out as well. We have a third show that we want to 
we want to promote for No Regrets, and that's Return to Talbot for a couple of us on that show as well. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it's an exciting time, uh, and it, it has helped launch a few people, you know, and get a few few names probably out there that wouldn't have been out there. I yeah. certainly feel like it's helped me develop as a as a, as a talent um, and understanding of the business. And you know, I've had appearances for different companies since because of it, most probably. Cool. There you go. There you go. It's it's a lot like like going back to you know um, repaying their faith in you. You know, in a sense, you know, you build your name through pro wrestling carnage even more. You know, you'll always have that link to them. You know, wherever you go. And that, but that was the idea as well. It wasn't. It, they weren't looking to be the biggest promotion in the world. They were looking to number one develop talent, who are younger, and give people opportunities, but also bring a feel and uh, an atmosphere that's completely different to what you'd see on the scene. Mm. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed that we, we continue to do that. Um, and, and, you know, as the key message said, it's, it, it, it's, it's to help at you, you know, yeah. Um, for example, myself, um, and uh, to get better and to get opportunities that you, you may not get elsewhere. Absolutely. So before we talk about, um, Carnage from the Crypt, which obviously you know, is a big night for you for, for more than one reason. We'll, we'll touch on the first mutation because I've, I've heard uh, another interview that you've done prior to that, where I think you referenced Sam Parker as one of the guys that you wanted to work with that you hadn't had an opportunity to work with, and you got to face him at the first mutation. So what was that like for you, sort of um, you know, knowing you had that match, and, and how do you feel the match uh, well turned out? Because of um, a certain a certain wrestler, should we put it, um, who tried to ruin my my parade beforehand by um, by getting himself booked at the show, um, I I did mention Sam as someone who I I'd, I'd worked with not worked with but I trained with before, and um, I wanted to test myself against him and it didn't disappoint. He uh, he, he was superb to work, um, very tough challenge and. Luckily, the one thing about James Ellis and the brilliance is I will do absolutely anything to win. It doesn't matter. Um, and uh, it came off for me, uh, luckily. But I gave myself that challenge because I took Jimmy Taylor out before um, before the show. So I gave myself the biggest challenge of the night, most probably apart from the Battle Royal, which I was sadly uh, cheated out of um, uh, because I didn't know who my opponent was actually going to be. Um, but it was it was an absolute pleasure, uh, in all in all honesty, um, a tough challenge and uh, a great opponent for the first show. I don't think I could have asked for a better one, if I'm honest. Okay, so you touched on there we go. So the incident with superstar Jimmy Taylor. Obviously, I've spoken to him in the last episode. So he he you know you two are going to meet at the uh, at the end of the month at Carnage from the Crypt. Um, his first match under the Carnage banner, largely thanks to you. Um, taking not largely. It's all, all, all it's all thanks all, to me. All thanks to you. So what what happened there and why? Firstly, I've got to ask. I met Jimmy Taylor about a year and a half ago. Um, he started training down in Batal, but due to lack of facilities, should we say? Mm-hmm. And I was on my way to leave in there. Um, but we carried on. We started training together. I didn't mind the guy, but I I personally don't think uh, he was on the level of the brilliance. Um. And what I noticed was wherever I was going, he seemed to follow. Right. It was a pattern mm-hmm. being, uh, being, being I, I, I could see a road being paved for him to try and steal my limelight at the first mutation. Okay. And when they announced that show, 
Um, I'd seen his little training videos getting ready for the Rumble. Uh, when they announced the show, they announced the Battle Royal, I understood maybe, okay, he was uh, he was going to be there. But then when they announced me versus him, um, that wasn't happening because I didn't think he'd earned the right or the opportunity after all the hard work I'd been putting in over the, the, the months and the period before. Mm. Um, he's, a good, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good talent. Um, I'm not going to dissuade that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have aimed to take him out for the Battle Royal if I didn't think he would have been a threat. Um, I was just about to ask but, that, actually. What was the reason behind it that you saw him as a, as a threat and he was better off out of it? Or I didn't want to go one-on-one with him because I didn't think he'd earned the opportunity. But at the same time, I knew by taking him out, he would be out the rumble and be one last person for me to eliminate. Um, and, you know, he took it to heart, to be fair to him. It, it, was, it was his fault. He was training around the same time in the same area as I was. Um, but the... The things he said in his interview with Kai Sandbrook after, I did, number one, chuckle at some of it, but number two, um, I thought this guy wants to, this guy is is not going to go away mm. until I've beaten him one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And as I told you earlier, I will do anything to win. So October 30th, Jimmy Taylor was going to see the side of James Ellis that everyone got to see on August 28th. It's someone who will do anything to win. Okay. So it's it's it's... It's evened up nicely. Um, Cars for the Crypt is going to be a good show. Um, it's going to be even better when I beat Jimmy Taylor and then I win the Outbreak title later in the evening as well. Uh, that's it. So it's, it's a massive, massive show. I mean, you could compare it, I suppose, to, for me anyway, Royal Rumble 92 when you had the guys in the, in the Royal Rumble vying for you know, winning the world title. And you had Roddy Piper on, earlier on the show where he got a shot at the IC title and then the world title. It was, it was quite a special occasion. Are you, are you kind of feeling, you're feeling that it's, it's a big challenge, you know, performing twice and having a title there for you, or are you feeling quite confident? Um, quietly confident is always my mantra. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a loud person in terms of I will tell you when I want to win or when I've won, you'll know. Um, but at the same time, there's always a plan behind everything I do. I don't go into things blind. Um, mm-hmm. So I know who I'm going to be facing and I know who will be the real threats in that rumble. Um, twice, working twice is always hard. Um, you know, you always think you want to get your match done, get the victory, get the payday and leave. Um, but I know I'll have to hang around after and get ready for a second match after the, after the match with Jimmy Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be something I'm prepared for, but at the same time, it'll always be a chance because you never know what will happen. Mm. And that's that's the good thing. I like I like the idea, especially with um, with companies these days. That a lot of people chuck battle royals on for the sake of them to get everyone in the match, to get everyone in a match. Um, I think a lot of companies that I've seen so far since we've come back from COVID, we're now regularly running shows. If there's a battle royal or rumble, there's a reason for it, which I like. I like there's a, there's a something to fight for. Yeah. It's not just um, a case of sending the fans home happy with a rumble. Um, so yeah, there's, yeah. I, that's what I enjoy, anyways. What's what's your um, what's your take on the outbreak championship? What would it mean to you, sort of, if you were to walk away with the belt? What would what what doors could it open up for you? Uh, any championship uh, is a, is an honour to fight for. I think um, if you're put in that position, where regardless, I know it's a rumble, but obviously it's not a singles title or you know mm. or, or a gimmick match for it. Um, but if you're given the chance to fight for it and you get the opportunity to win it, then you know, you take pride. I take pride in anything that's uh, any opportunities that are given to me, um, and 
you know, I, I, I think to make a belt mean something, you've, you've got to, you've got to put over the fact that you've, you've worked hard to get there. And, mm. um, for me, the outbreak championship, uh, is the next step. I, I was sadly, you know, cheated out of the opportunity with uh, the world title or the heavyweight championship, um, at the first mutation, but I will be taking my, my shot seriously at this show. Cool. Brings me nicely onto my next question, actually, which I really wanted to slot in here. So, um, when I spoke to Cayman, I had a special word with him just after he won the, the title. I asked him what lay ahead, anyone there that on the roster that he would want to work with, and he he mentioned you amongst the uh, amongst the few that he wanted to to potentially have a match with. You know, what's your talk, What's your your take on that? A match with with Cayman at some point? I've watched uh, a lot of Cayman matches from his time at Caldergrass, and I watched him versus someone who. Thanks to the WB Network, I'm now very in tune with, and I loved his work, uh, Steve Carino. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was amazing um, to watch. And the fact he's come back and he just doesn't seem to have lost anything um, makes me want to have a match with him. So anytime, <laughs> the players will be all mine. The Brilliance versus Cayman. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. I could be in the middle there promoting that one. I'd love to see that one. That'd be awesome. So that, as, um, let's talk about your sort of in-ring um, persona, as it were, you know, is there any, anyone that you've drawn inspiration from? Cause I got to admit, um, as I've got older, the heels, I, I really do. I've developed a, a real appreciation for the art of being a heel. Again, a lot like others, I think uh, for a time it fell away. Um, people flip-flopped. Um, you didn't, or they just went down the middle. You didn't really know what they were. Mm. You, I do see some real old school qualities in, in sort of, again, your promos and what I've seen of you in the ring. Have you drawn inspiration from anyone in particular, you know, in, in how uh, you are in the ring? I, I think the first, the first real um, thing I took from characters from like, say, two, 2000 probably until 2005, 2006 is a lot of people committed to the character no matter what they were doing. As in, if they were a good guy or a bad guy, people committed to that fact. Mm. Now, I know in the last probably 10 years, heels have become cool. Um, you want to cheer for them no matter what they do. Yeah. But I think it's an art form now to try and get people to boo you. Um, they say they say being a heel is easier. It's, it's not because a lot of times, a lot of stuff you do, people want to do. You know, it's the Steve Austin factor. Steve Austin was the most over babyface for doing what he wanted. Yeah. Probably wasn't a good guy, to be honest with you, but at the same time, <laughs> no, you, people weren't going to boo him, you no, know? Ten um, years earlier, you would have got booed out of the building for the stuff he was doing and saying, you know? And then all, all of a sudden, he's getting the biggest cheers around for it. it it's, the, it's the change in attitude, which is still mm-hmm. pra- prevalent today, I think. Um, but I, 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 I know that if I wasn't, if I wasn't given like, like the opportunity to be who I wanted to be, um, whether it's to go out there and to be a good guy or a bad guy, if I wasn't given the chance to be James Ellis, the brilliance, the marquee signing, then you, you, you'd clearly notice it when I was out there. Mm. Um, I, I enjoy, I, I really enjoyed the last five, six months. I, you know, the comeback to wrestling this year is probably just about getting some more experience in the ring. Next year is like plans to give it a good go and try and get over to England a lot more and um, maybe work around Wales a bit more as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more like I've been given the chance to just do what I wanted to and see if, you know, it's a sink or swim. If I, if I sunk, ah, yeah. 
what are we going to do? But if if I swim, then or if the fans react to it, then mm. we're doing something right, and I and I'm getting to enjoy doing it as well. You know, I came up with the character in uni. I don't know why, I don't know when, but it was always stuck in my brain when I first started because I was told about four, four or five weeks in when it comes when time comes, you're going to need to have something ready. Yeah, and I wasn't allowed. I wish I'd been able to be a face for longer. Um, purely for experience and getting better and working with more experienced people. Yeah. But you could tell when I just went out there, I just wasn't really committed to what I was doing. I wasn't really enjoying it because it wasn't me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think at some point you will see me as a face with the same sort of character. Mm. Um, but for now, the, the difference has been that I, everything I do, I want to do and I enjoy doing it. And it, it's nice to hear feedback of people and what I could do better and what yeah. doesn't work, what does work. It, it's all learning. Um, yeah. And you just, I just think I'm, I want to ask questions. I've always been like that. I just yeah. want to ask, what, what's good? Sit under the learning tree. You know, a big, a big, a big saying in like when you're training wrestling is shut that open then. Yeah. Um, and that's what I try to do as choppy as I can be. Um, I do try to listen as much and ask questions and just mm. sort of, People probably don't realise they're giving me advice, but they are. Yeah. It's all being taken on. Sure. Who's the, um, of, of everyone that you've worked around, I mean, whether you've been in the ring with them or just literally been around them at a mm. show or whatever, who, who are the ones that you've really learned most from, do you reckon? I, I probably asked, I asked a lot of questions to, um, to, to, to Blanche and Danny about certain things. And mm. over lockdown, I can't tell you how many calls we had just on Skype because we had nothing else to do. And it was just basically a learning lesson about character work, um, little things in the ring. Uh, I had a really good chat with Joel Redman after the first show because he, he was kind enough to watch my match and give me some feedback on what That's worked cool. and what didn't. Um, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Martin Grant, uh, who works who works around Wales a lot with the tag team High and Mighty, he's another one who's given me a lot of advice over the, over the last year on things that work, things that don't work what to try and what not to try. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they're they a couple. There's been plenty of people. I ask a lot of people for uh, advice. So, you know, there's, there's be, I probably missed a few out and I do apologise, but it, they'll know that I've asked them, so they'll know I'm going on about them when it comes to things like this. Cool. cool. I suppose you can't really help yourself, can you, when you're around guys who have that, you know, that level of experience or, or even just a little bit more than you, you know, yeah. Um, you just, just soak it up while you can. And yeah, one definitely. Day, one day it'll be someone coming to you asking for that. So I won't be for a while. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's James. This has been fantastic, mate. Speaking to you. Thanks so much for your time. I've got a few sort of um, my like favourite questions that I like to finish off with that I'll I'll throw your way. Um, just you know, just to kind of get a little bit more of a feel for who you are, maybe from a fan point of view, really. Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I love it when I get to speak to guys who are involved in the industry, but they're still fans at heart. Um, it's the reason why I started this, to be fair. Yeah. So, I mean, the obvious one at the moment, again, you know, which side of the fence are you, WWE or AEW? Tough question, but I'm probably a WWE man at heart now. So WWE for me, even though CM Punk is one of my favourites and he's uh, he's on the other side. Yeah. And Chris Jericho, actually. Chris Jericho is probably my favourite wrestler of all time. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, that's 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 a that's cool probably one. wrecked another question. I bet now, but I do. No, apologize. no, you haven't actually. No, all good. That's one I never really slot in there because sometimes it does come up as you go along. I I wasn't sure about him when AEW launched. I I sort of look at him and I think visibly you look like you should be past this now, but he's he's still he may he's very, down a bit. But. I think he's very smart the way he works now. You don't yeah. see him doing a lion salt every match, you know. Yeah. But then you. For a big match, I think I can't remember the last one he had. I think it was MJF. You know, he did a run off the top rope, um, and it's just things you don't. See. It's the same with like AJ Styles these days. He says, "I can still do everything I used to do. I just don't need to do it all the time." Yeah, that's it. What's the point? Yeah. Where you, you see it three times in a match back in two thousand and seven, you will see it once every three months now. And you, you kind of there comes a point when you're doing too much or too much too often in a match. Um, you know, even if it's two guys doing the same stuff, I've again said this before when I've watched certain matches from the last sort of five years or so, it's just, it looks like a bit of a dance. I think yeah. you still need to believe that. There needs know, to be an element of realness to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were, we were, I was talking about this the other day, actually, um, because I like doing certain things that are probably very wrestling, very like gimmicky and, you know, oh, you see that in every match. But I think sometimes it works. But at the same time, you do need to make it look like a fight. You know, it, mm. it, it can't be too like, it can't be too choreographed no. or no. Um, people will be able to tell who never watched wrestling or they, they, they're, talk, you know, they're talking to each other or something yeah. like that. Um, I don't want to go into the inner workings of wrestling because I, I personally think stuff like that should be kept to within a training school, um, yeah. you know. Yeah. You, you, but yeah, it, it's got to look like a fight. So there are certain things I take from watching wrestling. Like the, Kurt Angle's a prime example of making it look real, hmm. but at the same time, safe as 10 bears. Yeah, and I, I think knowing his background as well, you know, the guy's won the Olympic medal for it before he even got into the professional yeah. side. So you know he's got the pedigree almost, you know, of, of how not to say how to do it properly because it is different, but he's just got that more rounded knowledge, I think, of certain aspects of it and uh i, I always want to suspend yeah. my uh, just um suspend my belief while i'm watching wrestling you know I, I i got told when i was 10 years old that it wasn't real um but trying to convince myself so much since then that it yeah. is so you know um okay so let me tell you certain aspects of it are Oh, yeah, absolutely. I keep saying to, because since I started this up, you know, people have, you know, not mocked me, but they they weren't aware of my history with loving wrestling and everything. Yeah, they start saying it's fake and whatever. The risks are real. And I went to a show last week and you can hear <laughs> a lot of this stuff is real. You know, it's just the guys you can know, take it. Um, touch wood. Touch wood. I've never, I haven't been hurt yet um, or nothing bad. So, um, but there are definitely risks and you do, yeah. every time you cross that, that, you're putting your body at risk. Um, so it's always my thing to be as safe as possible, no matter what. If you're not confident doing something, don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Best best advice you can give anyone, I think, probably, who's looking to go into this as well, you know, from day one. So um, as a fan, so this is this is a bit of a two, two-pronged question. Your favourite match as a fan and as a performer? So one that you've had that really sort of rates up there, but then one as a fan that you, you can always go back to. It's your go-to. Right, so you, one more God. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's hard not to say um, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21 is one of my favourite matches I've ever watched. Um, 
for, for a wrestling standpoint, um, as a fan, oh, it's hard. It is really hard. Because I'm, I'm weird when it comes to my wrestling, when it comes to matches I like. Like, one of my favourite wrestlers from um, a bygone time is Maven. I think he's... I just... I, I remember watching countless YouTube matches of him okay. when I was like into it. Um, I also like Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe uh, from I think it's Unbreakable 2005. Um, okay. That's a great triple threat match. Yeah, I think even um, I've seen that one. To be fair, yeah. Yeah, I, I tough one. I think I'm going to go with them too. Them too. Oh. Now I'd probably kick myself after and be like, "Why didn't you say this?" <laughs> Um, I'll add another one on to the end of that then. So in terms of your matches that you've had right. as a wrestler, have you got a favourite favorite one that ranks up there that you're most proud of? Oh, the last one I did. That's my best match by a country mile. Cool. So you could only build on that. So that's cool. You know, the fact that you're, I, I, you're I, Well, I, I, that's, I don't think I'm, you know, I, I'd say you never, if, if you, a saying is if you, think you've, if you think you know it all, you shouldn't be in this business. Correct. Um, but if I, I still don't even think I've access probably five percent of how how much better I can get. Cool. So uh, my view is always I'm a very positive person in general as well. But my view is always you can get better, but mm. respect where you are now and understand that you have got to learn these things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The final question to become my favourite one actually um, is who would you have on your wrestling Mount Rushmore? Again, I'll probably take a lot. A lot of flack for this, um, but this is my personal opinion. I think if I picked it on sellability, Ric Flair, Brock Lesnar, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and John Cena. Um, but my personal one would be Edge, Kurt Angle, CM Punk, and Christian. Okay. That's cool. That sounds like a tag match that probably should have happened if it hasn't already happened somewhere. Definitely. I would, I, I, I would pay to watch that. That's brilliant. No, I'm always intrigued. I love this. It, it, I, I never thought about it until like a couple of years ago, who would be on mine? And I've only done one show where I've actually discussed, I had a, a bit of a different spin on it. I don't think I've ever discussed my personal one either. And I don't think I could think of it on the spot like I'm asking you guys to. <laughs> so, you know. There's two. I think there's your. I, I like I said. I do think there is there is a definite Mount Rushmore of people who sell tickets. Yeah. Um, but there is also you've got to have your personal ones because uh, you know, Ric Flair is probably the best wrestler in the world. But my person, from what I was grow, I've grown up watching. I prefer the people I've listed. And that, that's not even like I love AJ Styles. I think he's he's class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Steve Carino's work. That's completely different. Yeah. Um, and. There's a lot of different like niche wrestlers who I enjoy watching. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Trying trying to narrow them down to four, it's a bit cruel, really, isn't it? But it's um, I you you you're very influenced by who you grew up with. Exactly, Ric Flair. I think whilst Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, I've always thought should be on mm. mine, but I don't think either of them would be because they don't mean personally. They don't mean a lot to my link no to it. You know, to, to wrestling as a whole. Um, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart would definitely be up there. Yeah, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart don't even come into my conversation, my yeah. personal one, because I, I, well, I watch a lot of Shawn Michaels. Like, you know, Triple H is another one as well. I think it's class. Mm. Um, he should probably make it over, maybe Christian, but you know, that's just. <laughs> I probably can, I look can, a little bit like him. 
we could we could end up having like 10 different yeah. versions of this if we sat down long enough but uh but listen james thank you so much again um before you go where can people find you on social media where can they keep not track you down necessarily yeah where could they keep keep up to date and find out what you're doing um my my uh facebook is james ellis pro wrestler i was basically forced to make one um i do <laughs> use it regularly though i will put stuff over on there um my instagram and my twitter is james ellis pw uh j-a-m-e-s-e-l-l-i-s-p-w and yeah they're, they're, they're the best place for me any any like you know any promotions that um are out there looking for a talent to work as uh as the brilliance just tag them um you know my booking my booking email is james at gmail.com uh looking to expand over the next year so uh you know any chance any opportunities i'll take with uh, with great pride there you go it'd be good to see you down this way you know if you do make it to england come down to the southwest i'll i'll be there mate. i'd be all over that that'd be excellent Cool. Well, thank you so much. All the best for Carnage from the Crypt in both of your ventures that you got that night. Wishing you success in. You know, you I'm not going to pick sides in between you and, and Jimmy Taylor. I can't do that. But you know, you both got an equal chance um, in the uh, in the Outbreak Battle Royal as well. So I'll be keeping a close eye on that. So all the best, mate. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Cheers. No worries, mate. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.